Well, hello, and thank you for joining me for another week right here of Church Online. I'm so glad that you're part of today's online experience or listening to us by podcast. We are in week four, our final week in the series that we've called Be Rich. And in this series, we've just really been discovering what it means to be rich, not in the context of our culture. See, when you think of being rich, maybe you think of MTV Cribs or Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Maybe there's something about what we collect or what we own, what we gain in life, the physical material things that make us rich. However, God paints a completely different picture of what it means to be rich. In week one, we talked about being rich in hope that because of Jesus, we have all of the hope that would lead us to eternity. That today, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what situation that you find yourself or season that you're walking through, you have hope today because of Jesus. And I pray that that is an encouragement to you. In week two, we talked about being rich in generosity. Being rich in generosity, meaning that what God has given to me He means for me to give away to others, that God blesses me in order to be a blessing. Some incredible financial principles that I pray was a blessing to your life. Last week was rich in deed, talking about the actions of our life. We know that we're saved only through Jesus, not by the works that we do with our hands, but because of what Jesus has done for us, he wants us to do that for others. So we talked about the way we live out our faith in front of people through the actions and the deeds of our life. And all of this has come out of a few verses of Scripture. I want to read them to you right there on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need and always being ready to share with others. Today, I titled your message, Rich in Responsibility. Today, I want to talk about the responsibility we have of living our life as believers. Last week, we talked about a lot of the outward things that we do. We talked about how we are a blessing to people and how we serve people. And today, when we talk about being rich in responsibility, it's really something that happens on the inside of us. It's our response to the Christian life that we have accepted. You see, today when we follow Jesus, uh, we have a great responsibility that comes along with that. There's a great uh, saying, a quote that maybe you've heard that says, with great power comes great responsibility. Now, all of us, most of us at least would say we like the power. We like to be in control. We like to know that we call the shots. We make the decisions. We get to decide what's going on. You know, in all the things that I've done in my life and of all the responsibilities that I carry, there is none greater that I can think of than the feeling of being a father. If you're a parent, you can remember very clearly the day that you brought your child home from the hospital. Now, my son was born premature. He was as small as three pounds. I mean, I could hold him in the palm of my hand. He was so tiny. 
And the day that we were sent home from the hospital, he didn't even fully fit into a car seat. You see, we had the smallest car seat that you could be given. So we had to tuck towels and blankets around his little body so that it would fill him up in that car seat. Now, I drive on the interstate all of the time with all of you crazy people, and uh, I'm safe. I, 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 it's rare that I have an accident or that I'm involved in any sort of problem traveling in my car on the interstate, yet that day I was scared to death. I was so nervous bringing him home from that hospital. Why? Because I felt this responsibility to this brand new life that I was to take care of him and I was to provide for him. You see, I like being a dad because I get to make the decisions. He doesn't tell me what to do. I tell him what to do. I tell him what we're going to eat and when it's time to take a bath and when it's time to go to bed and when it's time to wake up in the mornings. I have the power. But because of that power, I have great responsibility. Notice what the Bible said in that verse we read. The last statement said, always being ready to share with others. There's a responsibility that comes with the faith and the Christian life that we have been given. Now, that word power and the responsibility, ultimately it comes down to stewardship. Ultimately, it's about stewarding what God has done for us. And this life that you and I are living needs to be stewarded well so that we get the most out of it. We are on this planet to live life on purpose, to make a difference in the world of people that are around us. If it wasn't the case, God would say, beam me up. We would go straight to heaven as soon as we said yes to Jesus, but we don't do that. We're still here, and we're here for a purpose. And so today, I want to bring you just three easy things of how we can respond to the responsibility that God has called us to. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today. So if you have a Bible, you want to open that up. The notes are right there on your screen. The scriptures will be there with you. But today I'm going to walk through a famous story, one of my most favorite stories of Paul and Silas, two of the early men doing work for God, developing the church and spreading the gospel, and they find themselves in a really difficult circumstance. And we're going to learn how they use the responsibility of their faith to make a difference in the lives of others, even in difficult times of their lives. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on the word today. Father, I thank you for all of my friends watching online. I thank you for every person, God, who has joined us today. I pray right now, God, that you would just speak to their heart. I pray, God, that you would use your word to encourage us and to motivate us and to change us, God, in the way that you want us to be so that we would be rich in responsibility. God, stewarding well the blessings of this faith that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read this story to you. We're going to start in Acts chapter 16 with verse 16, and here's what it says. One day we were going down to a place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. 
So first of all, we see Paul and Silas that are on their way to a place of prayer, meaning that they are in the middle of doing God's work. The Bible doesn't say that they're on their way to a, a wild party. It doesn't say they're on their way to do bad business. It doesn't say that they're doing anything other than going to a place that would be pleasing to God. Yet along their journey, something random, something weird comes along, something that they did not cause and something that they could not control. You see, it was a little girl who was demon-possessed and had the ability to tell fortunes. And she had some slave owners who recognized her ability and they were using her in order to turn a profit for themselves. Now, I want you to understand something that when she sees Paul and Silas, immediately the Bible says she recognized them as people who have been with God. What did she say? They have come to tell you how to be saved. They're servants of the Most High God. See, I want you to understand something about the life that we live. I think you already know this, but sometimes you can be on the road doing the right thing, going to the right place, and out of nowhere, something comes along and it tries to derail your life. It tries to derail your faith. You said yes to Jesus. You go to church, you serve, you give, you try to do the best you can do and you read your devotions and you listen to some worship music, you do all the Christian things that you think you're supposed to do. And then suddenly, in the middle of all of that, something shows up and begins to derail your life. This little girl shows up. And she begins to try to twist and turn the life of Paul and Silas completely upside down. But the good thing here is that even the devil has to recognize the power of Jesus. Even a demon-possessed girl could recognize the very Spirit of God that was living on their life. That's good news for us today to know that the enemy can recognize, even in the midst of your circumstance, he still knows who's fully in charge. Look at verse 18. It says, this went on day after day. I love that. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned, to, uh, he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in Jesus' name, man, this is good, come out of her. And instantly it left her. Verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Notice what's happening here. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. In the middle of Paul and Silas doing things that are pleasing to God, they find problems in their life. In the midst of pleasing and praising and giving to God and living for Him, problems still come. Look, just because maybe we belong to God and just because you are living for Him and just because you've been redeemed by Him doesn't mean problems and troubles will not come your way. It may just be that the problems you're praying to escape are the same problems that God wants to use to be a blessing blessing to somebody else. So today, as we find Paul and Silas 
in the middle of this circumstance, in the middle of doing godly things, now with everyone around them in an uproar, their life suddenly turned upside down. Everyone is against them. How do they respond? And what in the world is God trying to do? Well, I want to give you a response to the responsibilities that we have. Let's look at a responsible representation of what it means to follow Jesus. Number one, write this down. If you're going to have a responsible representation of Jesus, you have to be real. Your faith has to be real. It has to be authentic. It cannot be something that you have just put on and tried to wear, like a coat that does not fit. You see, your faith, it must be real. It must be authentic. Your trust in Jesus, it must be real. It can't be fake. It's got to be authentic. If you're going to make a difference, if you're going to take this life Jesus has given to us, and we're going to give it away to others, and we're going to make a difference, it has to be real. Look at what the Bible says in Acts 16 and 22, it says a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. Verse 24, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Then verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Now, this is where the game begins to change. The Bible points and paints the picture of exactly what Paul and Silas are experiencing. Look at it again with me. It said the city officials ordered them to be stripped. Not only were they going to be abused physically, but uh, their dignity had been stripped away. Everything that they had, everything that they possessed, every bit of dignity was stripped from their bodies. They were completely exposed and humiliated in front of people. The enemy tries to strip you of everything that you have. The enemy will try to take your dignity. The enemy will try to take everything that you have acquired. The enemy will try to take everything that defines the life that you live and the person that you are. Maybe you're a person of joy and the enemy has tried to strip you of your joy. Maybe you're a person of a very positive outlook and God is, and, and the enemy's tried to strip what God has given to you away from you. The enemy always tries his best to strip you of everything that you are. Not only does the Bible say they were stripped, but they were beaten. Their bodies were broken. Their bodies were bruised. Their, their bodies were punished. They didn't do anything to, to receive it or to need it or to deserve it. But they find their bodies <clears throat> under attack. Maybe today you have found your body beaten, bruised, and under attack. Maybe today you're dealing with something physical in your life and you don't know why you're walking through what you're walking through. They were severely beaten, not just beaten, but it was severe. It was dangerous. It was detrimental. It was life and death in that moment. They were thrown into prison. Their freedoms were taken away from them. 
No longer could they go and do what they wanted, when they wanted, and how they wanted. They were moving to a place of prayer, and now they find themselves in a place of prison. You see, their focus on prayer and getting to God and honoring God has landed them in a place that they never thought that they would be. How do we get there? <clears throat> Maybe that's you. And you find yourself that you're going, God, where are you in the middle of all of this? I was on my way to doing everything you've called me to do and being who you've called me to be, yet I find myself in prison. Not only did they find themselves in prison, but in the inner dungeon. The inner dungeon was reserved for the worst of the criminals. They were placed in the center where there was no light, there was no exit, there was no ability to escape, there was no interacting with the lesser-known criminals. No, they were in there with the worst of the worst. Their feet were clamped, they were chained to their position, and their feet were in stocks. They found themselves in a really difficult circumstance. They found themselves in a really bad place. What do you do when you find yourself in a really bad place? Why don't you look at verse 25 with me one more time. Take a look at what Paul and Silas did. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. I want to ask you a question. What are you doing at midnight? When it gets dark and when it begins to close in on you and you have been stripped and you have been beaten and you've been humiliated, when you've been put in prison and you've been locked away, what do you do in your midnight moment? Well, the Bible says Paul and Silas began to pray and they began to sing. See, when you have a midnight moment, you must turn your worry into worship and your worship into war. You see, they had a direct line of communication with God from beginning until end. You see, they were on their way to prayer. They were on their way to communicate with God and to honor God and to worship God. You see, their circumstance did not change their objective. They did not get detoured. They did not get sidetracked of what their purpose and calling was to do. You see, for you and for me, we must turn the worry into worship. And our worship must be turned into war. When you're in battle, you need to learn how to worship and praise God. Turn your worry into worship and your worship into war. Stop pacing and start praying. Stop worrying and start worshiping. Push past your problems and into his presence. Why does this matter so much? It matters because number one, you've got to survive the prison and number two, exactly what the Bible says were happening with Paul and Silas in the prison worshiping, other prisoners were listening. Other people are watching your life. They're watching your prison moments. They are watching your midnight moments. They're seeing how you respond in the middle of adversity. We have a great responsibility. We are rich in responsibility today in order to be able to show the power of God through difficult times in our life. How can two people do this? When they've been stripped and beaten and abused, when they're locked away in prison for something that only was, 
what God called them to do. So you and I, we get so upset at God because we say, God, we were living for you, we were following you, we were serving you, and yet you let this happen to me. My purpose was a place of prayer, but today I'm in a place of a prison. You have to spend time with your father in order to be able to worship him and communicate with him even in difficult times. You see, their first response was to continue worship and to continue prayer. They were able to do that because they had already spent a great deal of time with their father. See, my son, I told you, he's, he's five, and he loves to hang out with his dad. He loves to say, Dad, will you come play this with me? Dad, will you do this with me? Will you go outside with me? Will you pretend with me? Will you watch TV with me? Will you play this game with me? It is constant with my five-year-old. Dad, will you do this? And I'll be honest, there are times I just want to say, Bud, I'm tired. No, I don't want to do that right now. I don't want to pretend. I don't have the energy to get in the floor. All of those things that we experience. But here's what I know. There's going to be a day when he's going to be a teenager. And I'm going to want to spend time with him, and he may say, I don't have time for you. I'm going to go hang out with my friends, or I've got other things to do, or I've got other priorities. You see, I'm going to experience and spend time with my son today. He's going to spend uh, time with his father today so that he'll want to continue spending with his, uh, time with his father tomorrow. Some of us, we want to spend time with God when we need God, but we never spent time with God when we weren't in need. You see, spend it today. Take time with God today. Spend time with God so that when you need God, you will already be close to Him. It's all about a relationship. Your worship, it encourages me. It exalts Jesus and empowers others. My worship is encouraging to me. It exalts Jesus, and it empowers other people. These people are watching the response of Paul and Silas in their life. They're noticing that Paul and Silas can remember that God is good even when the times are bad. Remember that today. God is good even when the times are bad. In their darkest moment, Paul and Silas begin to worship. Their faith was real. Right in that moment, it was real. Number two, their faith is relevant. It's relevant. Notice what the Bible says in the very next verse. It says, suddenly. Underline that if you can. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All of the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors were wide open, he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. So there's Paul and Silas in one of the most difficult circumstances of their life, and yet they're worshiping, they're crying out to God, they're singing hymns, they're praying. Other people are watching. And then because of their response, I love this word, suddenly unexpectedly, in a moment, very quickly, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. Now, come on, what are the odds of this happening? 
Never in a million years would you be able to put this story together or make it up. Look, Paul and Silas is in prison. They're worshiping God. And now there's an earthquake. Like, what else can take place in the matter of moments of this day? Yet they're worshiping. Suddenly there's an earthquake and the prison. Underline that word prison. The prison's uh, foundation, it was shaken. Shaken. Everything that the enemy had brought against Paul and Silas suddenly had been shaken. The earthquake had come unexpectedly, unexplainably, and had shook the walls of that prison to its foundations and to the cores. Doors, all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Notice that what the enemy tries to conceal, and when the enemy tries to lock away, God always provides a way for freedom to open the doors. Not only did God open the doors and loosen the chains for Paul and Silas, but all of the other prisoners too. See, this is relevant. Their faith being real in the moment of worship in their problems becomes very relevant to the people that are around them because suddenly their lives are being shaken and impacted because of the faith that they're living out, the responsibility, the stewardship that they have. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and he is freaked out. He assumed the prisoners had escaped so he drew his sword to kill himself because he knew if he didn't, somebody else would. Because he's let all these prisoners escape. But Paul shouted, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are still here. What a statement. Underline that. We are still here. When your life is falling, are you still standing? I think that's an important question for us to ask ourselves today. When your life is falling... Are you still standing? You see, they could have ran. They could have fled. They could have just taken care of themselves. But in that moment, their faith is so real that they have accepted their responsibility to be relevant to the lives of people that are around them. They knew that other people needed them, that other people were counting on them, that other people were watching them. Today, how relevant is your faith in the lives of other people. For people who don't have faith yet, maybe your faith is the only faith that they see. For people who don't know Jesus yet, you may be the only Jesus that they know. For some people that don't know Scripture, you may be the only Scripture that they know. For other people who don't have an example, you may be the only example that they know. Your life has to be relevant to the people that are around you. And oftentimes, God uses it in the middle of bad circumstance and difficult seasons. But when you take on the responsibility to live a real faith and a relevant faith, then number three, this is an incredible one. You have a revolutionary faith. Write that word down. Your faith should be revolutionary. Notice what the Bible says in verse 29. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord together. And with him and all who lived in his house, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. 
Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. You see, what began is only a faith held by Paul and Silas now has caused a revolution in the middle of this prison. You see, the prisoners have been impacted. The jailer is now impacted and his entire family. The response of this, they believed in Jesus. They wanted to know, how can I be saved? Why did they suddenly believe? Because they had experienced a real faith, a relevant faith that has become a revolutionary faith. They knew they had seen something that could only be Jesus. Are people seeing something in your life that they would say that can only be Jesus? Their attitude, their outlook, their generosity, their care, their hope, their spirit, their life, their purpose, that could only be Jesus. Tell me how to get what you have. Everyone in his household, they believed and they were immediately baptized. They began taking next steps. They didn't sit back. They didn't wait. They didn't say, well, I prayed a prayer. I checked the box. That's enough for me. No, immediately they began diving in. And because of diving in and immediately doing what Jesus has called us to do, their faith will become so much more real and so much more relevant and so much more revolutionary to the life of somebody else. His entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. A revolutionary faith. We are rich in responsibility. To what God has given for us, we do for others. I'm standing here today because 33 years ago, my aunt and uncle said yes to Jesus. And they began investing in my life and bringing me to church, and I fell in love with Jesus at an early age. And so today, we pastor this church that's nearly 10 years old, and in 20 years of ministry, the thousands of people that I've been able to see come to a relationship with Jesus. Those people are now seeing their families changed and their businesses impacted and everything about their life generationally is different all because of a domino effect that when one falls, the other falls. It's revolutionary. So what one did for me and I have done for others, so they are doing for people that are behind them. They have accepted this responsibility. They are rich in responsibility. And when you are rich in responsibility today, I promise you, you will be rich in reward. The prison that you find yourself in, let it become a place of prayer. Let the prison become your place of prayer in that season and in that moment so that other people around you are impacted and changed because of the life that you live. Today, I want to encourage you and motivate you to embrace the rich responsibility we have to give Jesus away through the life that we live. Today, worship, pray, seek the Lord in every season because in every season, the Bible says that He means good for everyone, that all things work for our good. So today, I want to pray for you that if you don't know Jesus and maybe you're struggling today and you found yourself just feeling stripped, beaten, and you find yourself in that prison, that maybe today would be your day to say yes to Him. 
Maybe you're struggling today in your faith and just following Jesus. And you need to just make a decision today that you're going to lean in and you're going to worship. Let your faith be real and relevant and revolutionary through the circumstances that you're in. I want to pray that you can do that today. So, Father, thank you for all of my friends watching online right now. I pray that if there's one that doesn't have a relationship with you, that today we would say yes. Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for giving your life for us. We receive it today. God, from this moment forward, you're first in our life. You're the first response, not the last resort. Jesus, we give you everything today. Thank you for forgiveness. And God, I pray for all of my friends that may just be struggling today. I pray that we recognize as believers that we are rich in responsibility, that we have been given so much so that we can give it away in every season of life. Touch every person who is discouraged. Let them be encouraged, God. I pray that every person who is just stressed, God, I pray that they would find joy and peace in you and that other people that watch us, God, would see your love flowing in every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen.